Uh, I want to invite you, as we kick off the series, to two different passages of Scripture. The first one is Psalm 146, and the second one uh, is 1 Peter chapter 2 uh, and verse 9. And I'll actually begin uh, with 1 Peter, uh, where it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His, that is, God's own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Psalm 146 is entitled, The Happiness of Those Whose Help is the Lord. It begins, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man in whom there is no help. His spirit departs, he returns to his earth. In that day, his plans perish. Happiness is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps truth forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and widow, but the way of the wicked he turns upside down. The Lord shall reign forever, your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Uh, Let's pray as we jump into the word together. Father, we thank you for your scriptures, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit who illuminates them to us. Help us today, Lord, to see what you're saying to us as a community that we may grow Father, grow closer together, but also grow in our understanding of this moment and how we are to respond to everything that is happening in our nation and happening around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, again, we're kicking off a new series on praise today, which I believe is going to be an immense blessing to us. And I believe that it's going to bring us face to face with what is happening in our world and draw us nearer together. The reason for that is because you really can't have a well-rounded understanding of praise without including pain in the conversation. What do I mean by that? Well, uh, the five Psalms that we're going to study during this series, the final five of the book of Psalms, they all begin and end with the phrase, praise the Lord or hallelujah. And so as you conclude the book of Psalms, the theme uh, is very obvious. The theme is praise. One commentator said that the destiny of the Psalms is praise and the same is true of our lives. So we were predestined for praise. We were predestined to bring God praise. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 speaks to that same truth that the outcome of our salvation is that we, we declare the marvelous praise of our God who brought us out of darkness and into light. But if you think about the road of destiny What is it marked by? It's marked by pain. So you really can't talk about praise without broaching pain. And in talking about praise, you have to broach pain as much as you do joy. And if we don't broach our pain, then praise will always be muted or limited and even silenced at times. When we don't come face to face with our own struggles and the struggles of our neighbor, then our praise will be less than what it can be. Don't get me wrong, 
There's something beautiful about praise in the midst of struggle. Praising when struggle is unresolved is a beautiful thing. And we would call that the sacrifice of praise. And sacrifice of praise is immensely valuable. But it's also important that we understand that God's ultimate goal for our lives of praise is not a sacrifice of praise. It's an overflow of praise. And the the sacrifice, the struggle of this moment pales in comparison to the overflow of praise that we will be giving to God in eternity as our hearts are bursting with gratitude. Even uh, the, the span of our lifetime where we oscillate between times of sacrificial praise and times of overflowing praise, even in that, it is God's heart that we would spend more time in the overflow of praise than we do in the sacrifice of praise. That's his heart as our loving father, just as it would be the heart of any loving father for his children. So let me just speak directly into the state of our nation and help connect some dots for us here that that I believe I'm seeing. One of the reasons that we are at such unrest right now is because black Americans have gone unheard for so very long. And so many of us have been unwittingly complicit in that. I have been unwittingly complicit in that. And it stems from ignorance. It stems from being brought up with a particular world view. And so what I'm doing is I'm repenting. I'm remaining in a place of repentance. Repentance means I'm changing my mind. So each day I'm trying to align my mind with how God thinks and what God wants. I'm renewing my mind. I'm assuming the posture of a learner, a listener, and most importantly, a believer of the black brothers and sisters that God has graciously brought into my life. Because when it comes to the church, and I'm speaking specifically right now and today into a Christian context, We have allowed, for the most part, black Christian Americans to make do with a disproportionate level of sacrificial praise instead of doing what we can as the body to help them experience more of the overflow of praise. You see, it's one thing to to praise God because of command. And we all do that during times of struggle where we give God praise. It's a sacrifice and we do it because he commands us to trust in him and to trust in his goodness. But it's another praise entirely that pours out from us that is in response, not to a command, but in response to compassion. That kind of praise doesn't feel like a sacrifice. It's an overflow when you are met by and and helped by compassion. Well, then it's an overflow from our hearts. And I believe right now that's how we need to be thinking. Uh, The kind of praise that, that we want people to experience is the praise that is a response to the compassion of God, the compassion of their neighbors being poured upon them. In fact, one of the the major themes that the psalmist talks about in this psalm as he reflects upon why we praise is the theme of compassion. That's what verses 7 and 7 through 9 are are all about. It's all about the compassion of the Lord, that he executes justice for the oppressed, that he feeds the hungry, that he frees the prisoner, he opens the eyes of the blind, he raises the fallen. He, he watches over the stranger. He loves the righteous. He relieves the fatherless and the widow. All of that is the compassion of God. And it's grounded in, in God listening to the plight of people who cry out to him. And then he moves on their behalf. That's God's compassion. I want you to think about what the psalmist is saying here. One of the reasons he himself praises and one of the reasons that he invites others to praise 
is because God does all these things for people. He himself was likely the recipient of God's compassion at multiple points in his life. Now, I want you to think about that through the lens of racial injustice, which is so glaringly present uh, in our nation. You see, because we look at the problem and we say, well, Jesus is the only answer. Just keep pointing people back to Jesus. And we're right, Jesus is the only answer, but oftentimes we present Jesus as though Jesus were simply a belief system and not the personal, powerful God who does all of the things that the psalmist just described. And we are his body, his hands and his feet. So yes, Jesus is the answer, but it's a Jesus who hears the cries of his people and then responds. And therefore we, as his body, must respond also. We respond with the compassion that helps people go from a sacrifice of praise into an overflow of praise. In other words, I can't stand in the assembly of God's people bringing my overflow of praise next to a brother who is bringing a sacrifice of praise without at least pausing to ask the question, is there anything I can do? Is there anything I can change to help transform your sacrifice into overflow? You see, because God loves to receive the sacrifice of praise. He's moved by it. But he loves to give the overflow of praise. That's why Isaiah 61 says God wants to exchange our sadness for the oil of joy. He wants to exchange the spirit of heaviness for the garment of praise. God wants to put us all in a position where we praise out of abundance, not depletion. That's what compassion does. When I think about all the times that Jesus was moved with compassion for the people that he encountered during the gospel accounts, every single one of those interactions led to Jesus helping them from one state into a better state. He moved them from lack into abundance. And that's what the psalmist describes in what we just read in Psalm 146. It's justice for the oppressed. It's food for the hungry. It's freedom for the prisoner. It's moving somebody from a place where praise is a sacrifice into the place where praise is an overflow. And God loves to do it because he is the God of abundance. That's what verses five and six of the Psalm talk about, that happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord, who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. I mean, that's abundance right there. Like that which uh, fills the heavens, the celestial objects, that alone is incalculable. The same is true for all of the living creatures that fill the earth and the sea. One scientist I read this past week said, it is embarrassing that after 260 years of scientific work, the number of known species is still woefully incomplete. I would say that the best way to say that is not that it's embarrassing, but that it's humbling because it brings us face to face once again with the, the massive nature of God, the incomprehensibly massive nature of God and everything that he does. No wonder the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 that no eye has seen nor ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. In other words, the immeasurable nature of God's love and power that we can barely perceive now is only indicative of the immeasurable nature of what's to come. And the abundance of now and then, here and there, is what moves us into 
stages of greater and greater overflows of praise to God. The question is, though, is there a portion of the body of Christ who is experiencing more sacrifice than they are overflow? The answer that I am hearing and that I believe many of us are hearing is undeniably yes. My responsibility to that is to listen because that's what compassion does. Compassion listens to discover what it can do. Even if you think you know some of the answers, compassion still assumes the position of a listener. That's what Jesus did. I mean, Jesus modeled this. He was constantly moved with compassion for people. And he would ask him this question, what do you want me to do for you? Those interactions always ended with the person walking away, exuberantly declaring the praise of God. We were predestined for that kind of praise. It is the heart of God that everybody would experience his goodness in such a way that it would bring them into the overflow of praise. No doubt every single one of us has times, struggles, where praise is a sacrifice. We all have that. And actually those times are beautiful. A sacrifice of praise is giving to God something now that you actually won't be able to give to him in eternity because eternity has no pain, no death. So praise is always out of the overflow, always out of abundance, always gratitude. So sacrificial praise right now is actually a really beautiful thing. But just because it's beautiful, don't let that distract you from the fact that it's not God's ultimate goal. God's ultimate goal is the overflow of praise. So as the body of Christ, we need to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn and let the compassion of Christ in us lead us and guide us right now at this time. The aim, and I'll finish with this, but the aim is that we would come into the unity of one song together. Right now, black Christians, and I'm speaking today directly into the context of Christianity, black American Christians are singing the song of sacrifice. I can't stubbornly stay with the song that suits me better. It just doesn't work like that. We just finished a seven-week series on the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the things the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit helps us to come into unity of praise. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19 says, Don't be drunk with wine. It's wastefulness. It's dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Catch the order that the melody, the song I bring to Him, is actually an extension of the song that I sing with you. Now, America, with its individualistic society and culture, is actually perfectly suited to miss that altogether. The New Testament speaks in terms of community, of one body with many parts. We have been brought up to think in terms of self. But in the kingdom of God, there is no me and my, there's, there's only us. And we cannot require that somebody sing a different song, nor can we help one another exchange the song that we're singing if we don't join in the song of the heavy laden long enough to understand how we can help be a part of lifting the burden. May every single one of us take joy in joining in the song of sacrifice with the black community so that God can bring us all into the praise of overflow. The only way that we as a church walk through uh, any kind of difficult time, the only way we as humans 
rather walk through any kind of difficult time is by partnering up with the victorious one. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the epitome of every single thing that that psalm just described. Jesus is the personification of the heart of God that is presented to us in the scriptures. In fact, that's what the Gospel of John chapter 1 says, that Jesus came from the Father's heart to us. I want to implore every single one of us today, put your trust in Jesus. Jesus will not fail you. Jesus will not let you down. Jesus is, he is the ever consistent one. He's always by our side. He always lifts our head. He always strengthens us for the future that is ahead of us. And he strengthens us for right now, today as well. Don't wait a moment longer. Don't wait till tomorrow, next week, next year. Today is the day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Every single one of us can make a choice to put our faith, our hope, our trust in the eternal one right now. Jesus said this, that no one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I am the life. I wanna encourage you so strongly right now, put your trust in the one that leads you into the eternity that your soul craves for. Trust in the one who can fill you with the fullness, the fulfillment that your soul so desires. Jesus loves you so much more than you can ever comprehend or imagine. Father God, I thank you for every single person who's watching this right now, and I pray for a great revival of the heart taking place in our church and churches all across LA, all across our nation, a great revival of the heart, Lord God, as we seek to be a part of one of the greatest solutions in human history. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that your heart is for the oppressed that you seek to uplift. Lord God, we're partnering with you in that. Any of us right now who feel distant from you, Lord God, I pray that we would see that you're so close. You're not the distant one. You're actually so near. I pray, Lord, that you would lead us into relationship with you in this moment. If you feel like God's knocking on the door of your heart, would you pray this next part with me? Say, Father in heaven, thank you. Today is a new day and I am a new creation. I receive the free gift of your love and grace your salvation in exchange for my burden of sin. Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to follow you all the days of my life. Amen. Hey, we're gonna go into worship now. Really encourage you, open your hearts, lift your hands right where you are and let's engage in this time of worship and just allow God to seal this word in us and uh, to help us reflect upon Him, which then helps us to see ourselves uh, in a more healthy, more holistic way as well. Love you so much. God bless you as you engage in this time of worship. <laughs> 